Calling last night's town halls with Biden and Trump different would be an understatement. Stevie Nicks is speaking out publicly about her 1979 abortion. And Stephen Leconte joins us to deliver advice for those in need directly from his DMs. The date, October 16th, 2020. The time, music clock. Hey everyone, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. All right, Casey, before we dive in, I am distraught at the moment. So last night, uh, HBO Max aired their West Wing special episode with almost everyone from the cast reprising their original roles, and I missed it. I did not watch a single minute of it. Hey, so did I. <laughs> no! You, you're on the West Coast! You have less excuse! I woke up and literally, like, out loud was like, what? I had no clue it was on last night. I'm so sad. I mean, I am excited I have something to watch this weekend, though. Right? No, I knew it was coming. I purposefully didn't watch the trailer because I was like, nope, I want to go into it blind. I don't want to know what they're even going to do. Like, I know that it's a like uh, a live staging of an old episode, but at the same time, it's like, no, I want all the feels at once. And then I gave myself none of the feels. <laughs> okay, wait, who is your favorite character? That is a loaded question. Yeah, but, no, I know. <laughs> um, I I. I feel like I've always identified a lot with uh, a combination of Josh and Sam. I'm going to just go ahead and do it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Sam's like idealism and writing with Josh's better jokes. I love how your answer was like who you're a combo of. And mine is like, I had a crush on Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. You were one of the lemon Lyman girls. Oh, my God. I love Josh so much, but it's not. Josh, I love Bradley Whitford. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, it's going to be CJ. Mm, absolutely. Oh, God, I love her. All right. So I haven't been able to watch the show lately just because it makes me cringe sometimes. So what, in your opinion, is the most problematic part of it for you now? Oh, you know what? I honestly can't answer that. I've not watched that since I was in college. And, oh, wow. And I think the problem would be it's the same way, you know, like probably even worse than, you know, watching like 30 Rock or something like that. I'm sure it is just littered with jokes that do not fly anymore and stances that are probably not liberal enough for me. <laughs> yep, it's more of the latter, really. It's like, it's this weird utopia that even exists at the time. And seeing that like utopian view of politics now is like, it's like your past self who loved the show getting bullied actively and being told, stop hitting yourself. That's my vibe. <laughs> That's my feel about it. All right. Time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. After the second debate was canceled following President Trump testing positive for coronavirus earlier this month, he and former Vice President Joe Biden went their own way, holding dueling town halls Thursday evening, and they could not have been more different. Trump's town hall, held on NBC and moderated by Savannah Guthrie, was... Well, we'll we'll let you hear it for yourself. Just this week, you retweeted to your 87 million followers a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden orchestrated to have SEAL Team 6, the Navy SEAL Team 6, killed to cover up the the fake death of bin Laden. Now, why would you send a lie like that to your followers? You retweeted it. That was a retweet. That was an opinion of somebody. And that was a retweet. I'll put it out there. People can decide for themselves. I don't take a position. You're not like someone's crazy uncle who can just retweet whatever. That was a retweet, and I do a lot of retweets. And frankly, because the media is so fake and so corrupt, if I didn't have social media, I don't call it Twitter, I call it social media, I wouldn't be able to get the word out. 
Biden's town hall, meanwhile, was held on ABC at the exact same time. It was moderated by George Stephanopoulos and went a little more like this. Look, George, you and I know, and I think you do too as well, the words of a president matter. Absolutely. No matter whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, they matter. And when a president doesn't wear a mask or makes fun of folks like me when I was wearing a mask for a long time, then, you know, people say, well, it mustn't be that important. Even though ABC didn't broadcast it, Biden stayed long after the event ended to answer questions from nearly every audience member who was there. The last presidential debate will be held in person, barring any new COVID news, on October 22nd and will be hosted by NBC's Kristen Welker. And meanwhile, a request from California for disaster assistance after the summer's wildfires was denied by President Trump. A statement from the White House said he had determined, quote, the early September fires were not of such severity and magnitude to exceed the combined capabilities of the state, affected local governments, voluntary agencies, and other responding federal agencies. Those fires, which burned more than 1.8 million acres of land, were the most destructive in California's history. California Governor Gavin Newsom is expected to appeal the ruling. And to be clear, the amount of assistance he's requested to help the state totals, uh, let's see, a lot of dollars. Governor Gavin Newsom has estimated potential federal assistance at $346 million. That includes $200 million for the Creek Fire alone. Today, Cal Fire tweeting over 9,000 firefighters continue to battle 12 major and eight other large wildfires, fire complexes. In total, wildfires have consumed 4.1 million acres of California. Also, a friendly reminder that the federal government controls about 57% of California's forested lands. So, who's to blame? Yeah, I mean, this is truly wild that that was the ruling. I mean, uh, it... it yeah, it's just tr truly wild. I don't I don't even think that we've gotten the Santa Ana winds yet this year. And um, that is when fires are going to pick up. So it's just shocking to be like, OK, so these were the most destructive fires in California's history. On top of that, there's going to be more. So we're going to be just like adding up all of the destruction and with money not coming in. Yeah, it's part of a pattern we've seen repeatedly over the past four years that somehow, for some reason, disaster aid to places that happen to have Democratic governors just happens to go a little bit more slowly from the White House when it's being doled out for some reason that I cannot really put my finger on. All right, Casey, what is happening in entertainment land today? Well, Cardi B is responding to claims she's in an abusive relationship with husband Offset. This comes as the on-again, off-again couple appear to be on-again after they were caught getting close at her birthday party in Vegas over the weekend. Cardi started getting a lot of backlash online with one fan tweeting, I know it's all jokes, but Offset is an abuser, textbook emotional abuse. In a since-deleted tweet, Cardi responded claiming that Offset was not the abusive party in the relationship, writing, quote, abusive girl i'm the one that do the hitting and the shit talking you be trying to analyze too much we simply be dysfunctional this morning she followed up with an audio statement slash rant asking fans to be more careful when throwing around allegations of abuse and asking people to stay out of her relationship it's crazy how y'all gotta fucking give y'all an explanation because y'all want to fucking make ding pieces of the shit that's going on in my home yeah, weird as hell. If it wasn't, if that divorce shit didn't went through the court, y'all would have even never know what the fuck was going on. So please stop. And moving on, music icon Stevie Nicks is speaking candidly about an abortion she had in 1979, saying if she hadn't been able to get it, there would be no Fleetwood Mac. 
She got pregnant at the height of her career when she was dating Don Henley, the lead singer of the Eagles. She says there was no way she could have been a mother and a rock star. She told The Guardian, quote, there's just no way that I could have had a child then working as hard as we worked constantly. And there were a lot of drugs. I was doing a lot of drugs. I would have had to walk away. Nick says she was inspired to speak out following the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Good for Stevie for talking about this, but also... Yeah, a lot of drugs sounds like rock stars in the se- late 70s, huh? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, y- yes, you know, uh, dreams came out before this abortion, but let's be clear, Stevie Nicks is Fleetwood Mac, you know? You, Absolutely. And if she wasn't there to put her soul and her music and her sound into it, I mean, it would be truly wild. It just would have fallen flat, Yeah. right? So, yeah, I'm glad that she feels like she's able to talk about this at this point and that she's making it so that it is less of a stigma for other people out there who are going through the same thing. You know, women don't need an excuse for why they had an abortion. And um, I think it's, you know, the more people openly talk about this, the more um, hopefully safe women will feel when getting an abortion or thinking about getting one, etc. All right, when we come back, we've got Stephen LeConte for another installment of DM911. Stay right there. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God, I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey everybody, Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO, and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me. Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played with Chuck Bass. I just can't believe that I did that with my life. Jay, we had like the most amazing time. Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thursday, February 10th. Kick off Super Bowl 56 weekend with host Keegan-Michael Key. Find out who will be named the AP Most Valuable Player. Delivered by Pizza Hut, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Presented by Nationwide and more. Plus, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2022 delivered with Uber Eats will be revealed. NFL Honors, presented by Invisalign. Thursday, February 10th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC, NFL Network, and ESPN+. All times live except in the Pacific Time Zone. Welcome back. On this fabulous Friday, we've got lined up for y'all another edition of DM911. We're joined by BuzzFeed writer and excellent advice giver, Stephen LeConte. Welcome back, Stephen. Thanks, guys. I missed you. Thanks for having me back. Of course. So, listeners, if you haven't heard the segment before, Stephen keeps his DMs open on Twitter and Instagram, so anyone can ask him for help with their problems at any time. Today, we've got three people dealing with some major relationship drama. Let's jump right in. Ready, Steven? I'm ready. 
Okay, first up, a person who is waiting for their boyfriend to say, I love you back. They've been dating for six months, and she's starting to get concerned. That, combined with the fact that they only see each other a few times a week, has her feeling a little insecure. She'd like to spend more time together. He says he doesn't want to see her any more than two to three days a week. Is this strange behavior? Can the couple move past this? Okay, here's the thing. I think if we were looking at this I love you issue in isolation, I might tell you to give him more time. That can be a loaded thing for some people. It's a level of vulnerability that not everyone can get after six months. I don't necessarily think that pressuring him to say it would uh, ease whatever anxiety he may have about that word. But your DM actually points to a larger issue here. And it's one I think you should address first before worrying about the whole I love you thing. So here's what actually concerns me. You describe your individual investments in this relationship as pretty different. You flat out say you want to be with him more than he wants to be with you. You say he only wants to hang out two to three times a week when you want to hang out way more than that. To be clear, I'm honestly like pretty agnostic about how often couples should see each other. There are some perfectly happy couples who see each other once or twice a week. Others see each other every day. There's no right or wrong answer to that. But what's important is that the two of you align on this. There's a clear imbalance in this relationship right now, and you need to find a way to level that out. That means getting to a place where you're both happy and comfortable with the amount of time that you spend together. And it also means getting to a place where you don't feel like you're putting in significantly more time, energy, and love into this relationship than your boyfriend is. If you can't get to that place, frankly, I think you probably should break up. I'm fine with saying that you should have to wait for the words, I love you. I'm less fine saying you should have to wait to be in a relationship that is equal, rewarding, and fulfilling. Well said, Stephen. Extremely well said. Right? Yeah, because I don't know. This might just be me, but I feel like if you're only seeing each other two to three times a week and he's saying, nah, I'm, I'm good on seeing you more than that. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic and everything, but at the same time, that feels like more of a casual situation than you're really letting on. Like, I would want more details about, like, how often are you guys talking? Like, are you guys going on dates during those two or three times a week? Or are you literally just, like, going to see each other, like, hang out at one another's place and just not really doing much of anything and if that's the case and if you're happy with that that's fine no judgment there but right now it sounds like you're just really not happy with it I think that like most everyone has been in this type of relationship or situationship before where it's not an equal give and take kind of thing of like you're truly invested and maybe they're not. And it's just time to look at it and be like, is this what you want? At the end of the day, I think relationships are a choice, right? So you need to just make that choice. Absolutely. Woof. Relationships are a choice. That was going to stick with me, Casey. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next up. This person is looking for advice on how to deal with her family's refusal to accept her same-sex relationship. She's engaged and says her dad's side of the family won't even allow her fiancé in their home. There's a family event coming up. She's invited. Her fiancé isn't. She loves her family despite their views and wants to see them. So what should she do? So in this person's DM... Uh, she laid out two options. She said, should I like keep showing up to these events without my fiance or should I show up to these events with my fiance and just tell them to deal with it? And I have to be honest, I don't like either of those options. Um, I don't think you should bend to the will of bigots by pretending like your fiance doesn't exist. And I also don't think it's fair to put your fiance in a position where you are bringing her to an event where she is clearly not wanted. Worse than not wanted, something like really offensive, violent, or scary could happen to her. So I don't think you can like ambush your family by bringing your fiance either. 
That means I'm going to propose a third option here. And I recognize this is going to be so much easier said than done. But unfortunately, I think you need to stop going to family events where your fiance wouldn't be welcome to. I want to be clear, your family has put you in a horrible unfair, and frankly, impossible situation here. Unfortunately, there's not going to be any outcome that doesn't involve some level of pain. In my opinion, your relatives, as the ones who are instigating this problem with their hatefulness and bigotry, are the ones who should absorb the brunt of that pain. Not you, not your fiance. So I think they don't get you at the holidays anymore. If cutting off your relatives entirely is too drastic or painful, that's a reality. It's family. I get it can be complicated. Maybe you can maintain your relationships with them individually through phone calls, one-on-one -on -one visits, whatever. But for these big group family events, I think you shouldn't go unless your fiance is invited to. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Because yeah, even if your fiance is like mentally prepared, ready to go to these events, knowing that her family doesn't want her there, that's still just not fair to make her have to go through that, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't really matter how prepared she is. It just also sounds like a horrible way to spend your Christmas or your Hanukkah or your birthday. Like, you know what I mean? Like, go have a good day together instead of being surrounded by people who don't want you there. Yeah, right. Go uh, get some pancakes or something. Just not with your family who, for some reason, can't accept your same-sex relationship. Um, I was going to say, I think I think it can be tough in those situations. You know, as someone is, who's queer, I could see how she's like, would go to these events and be like, you want to think, oh, well, they love me, you know. But it's it's one of those things where you're the exception and that there are limits to their love. And it's just pretty, like... I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, except that it's an incredibly difficult situation and that also they should be taking care of their mental health. For sure. That's a good point as well. And I definitely want to acknowledge, like, sometimes when I give this advice, part of the fun of it is I say, oh, it's easy. Just do X, Y, Z. This is one of those times where I actually really want to call out, like, this won't be easy. There's no advice that I can give, frankly, that will get you out of this like pain free. And to say something like just stop going to family events, I recognize that's actually like a really profound, deep and difficult thing to suggest. So I don't mean to imply that it's easy. I think it might be your only option. All right. And moving on to the last one, a woman whose boyfriend has moved in with his ex-wife. He says he did it to save on rent and spend more time with his kids. She went along with it at first, but then he decided to renew the lease without even checking with her. The couple's been dating for a year and a half. She says she loves and trusts him, but is wondering if it's just smarter to end things and move on to a less complicated relationship. Okay, I think the biggest question I have here is whether you've ever articulated this discomfort to your boyfriend before and also how you've articulated the discomfort. So let's start with this. If you've told him plainly and clearly that this arrangement with his ex-wife makes you uncomfortable, then I think his signing the new lease with her without even giving you so much as a heads up shows that he doesn't particularly care about your feelings. That to me would be a perfectly valid reason to walk away from this. But if you haven't brought this up with him before, if you haven't directly told him that you're uncomfortable with this, if you've just privately stewed about it on your own and hoped your boyfriend would move out on his own accord, uh, then I think the first thing you need to do is have that conversation. And I mean directly and clearly, not through like, passive aggressive comments, but actually being like, I don't like that you live here. I'd like you to move out. Um, you've been dating for a year and a half. I think that's a, a reasonable request for you to make at this point. I'll say this. 
Your boyfriend has put himself in a very complicated living situation. I'm not going to make a value judgment for him about whether it's a good or bad situation because there are kids involved here and maybe this really is what he needs to do right now as a parent. I, I can't evaluate whether it's good or bad. But what I can say is it's very complicated. Maybe it's right for him. That doesn't mean it has to be right for you. And he just signed on for another year. That's a very long time, especially for a relationship that's only a year and a half old. Add on a whole other year of this. If you're miserable now, it's not likely to get better within the next year. If you just can't do this, then you can't do it. And I don't think anyone listening to this podcast would fault you for that. Yeah, I have several questions. That is silence because, uh, Stephen, you just did such a good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I did it. So, Stephen, I have several questions from this. Number one being, why didn't you guys just get an apartment close to the ex-wife and kids yourselves and move in together if this was a concern uh, that you were having? Question two, have you seen the divorce papers? Are you sure <laughs> that's what's happening here? Just 100% sure you know, that this is what's happening? Hayes, I, you know, I see that point of view, but then there's also part of me that thinks, well, like, they were married and got divorced. Like, if they wanted to be together, there was a very easy way for them to be together, just not getting divorced. So no, I'm, I'm actually, saying, I'm, I, I, you're suggesting that maybe they never got divorced. Yes, precisely. This is going into wild conspiracy land already. Sorry no, to derail I, this. I and you're love, very good advice. I love wild conspiracy land, but here's what I'll say. If he wanted to be with his ex-wife and she wanted to be with him, then he probably wouldn't be like having a girlfriend, right? I mean, so that's why I tend to think it's probably not a thing where they're just like so in love and want to be together, but also like want to be divorced. Uh what I think is more likely is that there's some sort of arrangement going on with the kids. And I don't know what's happening there, but, you know, there are times where maybe in order to like properly co-parent, it's just much easier if they live together. That's why I was saying I don't want to make a value statement of like, this is a bad way or a good way to live your life. It is what it is. It's what he's chosen. The question now is, can you get on board with that uh, or should you walk? And that's either way. She can't make a wrong answer. That's totally personal preference for herself. Well, Stephen, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure and delight. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I love it whenever I'm here. That's it for today. Join us on Monday when Saatchi Cole joins us to talk about Billie Eilish and how society thinks anyone who's larger than a size zero is courageous. And remember, Jed Bartlett would have disappointed you. Disappointed you deeply on race, LGBTQ rights, and economic justice. News O'Clock is produced by Dan Bauza, Alan Haberchak, Julia Karen, Rosemary Minkler, and Erica Nedanine. Special thanks to Tracy Ayers, Mangesh Hatikater, Samantha Hinnick, Patrick McMiniman, and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. 
Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com slash comfy. Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm so excited to be back with a third season of You and Me Both. When I started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are. And here's what I know. We cannot get through this alone. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. This season, I'll be talking about the state of our democracy with experts and with people organizing on the ground. We'll draw inspiration from some amazing people like Olympic star Allison Felix and Grammy Award winner Brandi Carlisle. And we'll get into the hard stuff with writer Cheryl Strayed and my dear friend and colleague Huma Abedin. So join us, listen to you and me both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.